Well, hi there, Kingsgate family in London, in Cambridge, in Leicester, in Peterborough. It is so good to be with you. As I often say when I come to Kingsgate, I've been popping by here quite a lot over the last hundred years or so, bit of an exaggeration, but quite a long time, but never quite in circumstances like these. It is a real honour to be able to join you. I also want to welcome you if you are watching today and you're not part of the Kingsgate Church. Maybe you go to another church. Maybe you don't go to a church at all. You're a person with a faith, a Christian faith, another faith or no faith at all. Whatever your situation, it is really good to um, have you with us. You are really welcome. Now, Kingsgate, a group of people who are very excited about Jesus, about applying his principles, but also experiencing his presence on an everyday basis. Uh, a God not just for Sunday mornings, if you will, but also for Mondays and every day. Uh, but we're also, the Kingsgate family is also very excited about Scripture. And so we're going to turn to the pages of the Bible now. We're going to go to the Old Testament uh, to a story from Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, uh, I can imagine you saying, why are we going to an Old Testament story um, that was like, it's about something that happened thousands of years ago. What has that got to do with us in our, in our particular challenges right now? Actually, Scripture has everything to do with us right now. And the stories of the Bible are so relevant because human beings are basically the same. We we have the capacity to, to learn, to love, to laugh, to weep, to cry, to be afraid. Human emotions have been pretty much the same throughout history, despite the changes in culture and the shifts in technology. We are human beings, and so we can learn from these stories of Scripture. And we're going to turn to this particular story, which is about a country a nation that is under attack, not from a virus, for, from a germ, but from uh, another army. Uh, there's a king involved. His name is Jehoshaphat. And uh, I'm going to read a few assorted verses from this particular passage. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Hazazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then we read that this king, with the people gathered, he stands up, um, at the temple, and he prays a prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They've lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying... If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress and you will hear us and save us. And then later in the passage, uh, there is a prophet. His uh, name is Jehaziel 
and he stands up and uh, he declares the word of the Lord back to the people. The people have cried out to God and now God speaks through this man. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then later in the passage, take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Kay and I um, just probably a week ago got back from a major war zone. We were warned that we probably uh, shouldn't go there. We were warned that it could be a pretty dangerous place to be, but we, de- we decided prayerfully that we would just go ahead into that zone. I'm, I'm talking about going to pick up some groceries. Uh, that, that used to be a fairly benign thing to do, frankly, relatively boring, but these days it can be more of a challenge. And as we were wandering around the store, I suddenly found myself almost in tears and it wasn't because of the shortage of toilet rolls, although let's face it, that could be a significant challenge. No, it was because there was a sense of tangible, palpable fear in that place and people's eyes were down and they were scurrying around with their trolleys. We didn't actually see anybody overtly panic buying or or hoarding things at that moment, but you could really feel the sense of fear that there was in the air. They were afraid. 2,800 years ago, this man, this king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, he was afraid and for very good reasons. Just as a side note, he was a pretty good king. He did mostly well. He made a few disastrous decisions in his reign. Um, But we read of him that he sought the Lord with all his heart. But now, now he was really afraid. And this was not sort of a, a slight trembling lip, sort of, oh dear, this could be a challenge sort of fear. No, that the Hebrew word that is used to describe his fear means trembling. He was terrified. But in the midst of his terror and fear, God spoke. Now, now you don't need me to remind us that this is a season of great fear, not only in this nation, but around the world. And we are constantly being updated, some might say even bombarded by negative headlines from everywhere. This is a time of great fear and panic. So so what can we learn from Scripture that can practically help us at this time of fear? First of all, let me be really honest here and say this. Life is terrifying. Uh, Just generally, before before the signs of any viruses, before the present calamity, just life is terrifying. Uh, We read in verse 2 that Jehoshaphat has to face that fact. A vast army is coming against you. You see, as followers of Jesus, we are not called to deny the potential of the current problems and issues. No, we don't deny them. We face them. A vast army. In fact, elsewhere in the Bible, in 1 Chronicles 
uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles, we, we pick up the hint, an army maybe of a million plus. And so Jehoshaphat had good reason to fear. And let's concede that. There are reasons to be afraid right now, particularly as we live in a postmodern culture, post-enlightenment culture, where we've tended to believe that we've got everything under control. A lot of people um, staying in their homes right now are using the remote control of their TV. And we've become a kind of remote control culture. Whatever the issue, it might take us a while, Brexit, remember that, but ultimately we'll be able to fix it. We'll be able to sort it out. And then we come up against a situation like the current situation where, yes, our uh, science, uh, scientists around the world are endeavouring to, to uh, collaborate and find solutions, but we feel that this is somewhat out of our control. And then fear rises to the surface quickly. Fear is always available for us. It's been said that we fear life, we fear death, we fear what is, we fear what is not, we fear what might possibly be. Fear pushes us around, it makes us freeze when we should flee, it shoves us into panic when calm reflection would be so much better. We're frightened of what we know, we're frightened of what we feel like we might not know and it Fear, it ruins our waking, it robs us of sleep, we're afraid of intimacy, rejection, heights, clowns, we fear failing, we fear spiders. There's a lot for us to be afraid of. And because of fear, nations will go to war. Because of fear, stock markets tumble, businesses collapse. And I'm not just talking about the present challenges right now, it's what happens 24-7, 365 days of the year. Jan Martel in Life of Pius says, fear, it is life's only opponent. Fear, it's our natural neurological reaction. It's so easy to, to rush into fear. It doesn't take a great deal of effort. So let's first of all concede, fear is a reality. Nelson Mandela says, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave one is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Life can be terrifying. But we don't stop there. Because secondly, let's know that fearlessness is a choice. It's a, a daily, maybe hour by hour choice. In verse 15, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Now let me, let me pose a, a question here. If God says don't be afraid, and Jesus says that in the New Testament a lot, he gave 125 commands during his ministry, 21 of them were about fear. The next closest count that we can find is eight commands about loving God and loving our neighbours. So Jesus addressed fear repeatedly and head on. And he says, don't do that. Don't be afraid. Now, that's, that's almost a bit maddening. There are 365 commands in the Bible about not being afraid. And sometimes Jesus asked his friends questions like, why are you afraid? Let me pose this idea to us. I think it's a truth more than an idea. If Jesus tells us, 
to not be afraid, surely therefore it must be possible with his help for us to not be afraid. But it does take some effort, some choices, some faith. Nearby where we live in Colorado, there is this really steep hill that I love and I hate. I love that hill when I'm riding down it on my bike because I can, I can just let go and go screaming down the hill enjoying the experience. It's going up the hill that is a lot harder and so much more challenging. And I think fear is like that. It's an easy downhill ride. You don't have to put a lot of effort into it. It takes more. We have to accept a greater challenge to not be afraid. It is possible with God's help, but let's concede that it's going to take some discipline mentally, emotionally, and some real faith and trust in God to not be afraid, but we are told surely that fearlessness is a choice. I'm just wondering, have we surrendered to the inevitability of fear? Like, well, that's just the way it is right now. I'm only human. Well, actually, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're not only human. We know that God's Spirit is at work within us. If you are not a follower of Jesus, please know that uh, in a few minutes from now, I'm going to be giving you a simple invitation to make that choice, to follow him, and not just to live by his principles, but to know his power in your life. Fearlessness is a choice. Thirdly, let's know the power of togetherness at this time. Verse 4, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Now you say, look, Jeff, that's ridiculous because we're not allowed to come together. Well, actually, that's true, but it's not true because we are a generation with all of the amazing technology that we currently enjoy where we can draw close together. And I just want to encourage you to keep the connections going Uh, and to be tuning in uh, to these services and to make the connection uh, by phone, by Facebook, uh, however you want to do it, sending out those emails, checking in on each other. We discover the power of togetherness at a time like this. I love that example in Scripture where Paul and Silas were singing hymns at midnight. And I've often wondered... Were they singing because they weren't afraid or were they singing together because they were afraid and they found great, great strength from that togetherness? Through the technology that we have, let's deal with this together, know the power of togetherness. Fourthly, let's be strengthened by our history. Be strengthened by our history. If you look at this prayer quite carefully, you'll see that it actually echoes a prayer at the dedication of the temple. You can read about it in 2 Chronicles 6. And the language is the language of Exodus 14. Uh, Moses and the Egyptians and the people being told in Exodus 14, don't be afraid, stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You see, this prayer was not just a prayer. It was a history lesson. It was a reminder to God's people to look back and remember what God had done for them previously and then to use that history to strengthen them for what they were going through currently. And I believe that we can all do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, 
This is a time to be remembering, reflecting on what the Lord has done historically for you. Driving into Peterborough today, I found myself remembering coming to Peterborough in 1978 to be involved in church planting, remembering those days with a tiny congregation, not many resources. And as I was uh, driving along, just getting ready for this, that song with that uh, chorus, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. As I remembered 1978 and those early challenging days, I am strengthened in today because the God who helped me then is the God who will help me today and tomorrow. Be strengthened by your history. Fifthly, know that it's okay not to know. Know that it's all right not to know. In verse 12, they say, we do not know what to do. Hey, as followers of Jesus, right now, we don't know how this is all going to pan out. As the days continue, we are getting more and more information about flattening the curve and all of that. But we stand with everybody else that we're not sure about the outcomes of this. It's okay not to know. It's okay to embrace mystery and say, God, we haven't got this figured, but we are going to trust you anyway. Number six, check your focus. Check your focus. The prayer goes like this, verse 12, our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. I've been realizing through this season that what I see with primarily is not my human eyes. No, those are not the um, primary way in which I see. I see mostly through my heart and through my mind in those internal cogitations that go on all of the time. And I think it's important that we focus our hearts and our minds on the truth of God, that we reject fear, that we choose faith, that we don't feed ourselves continuously on negative headlines. That doesn't mean sticking our heads in the sand, but maybe it means rationing how much of the input that we take in. And maybe it's about taking captive every thought as we read in 2 Corinthians 10, maybe it's about speaking to our own souls. Psalm 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? The psalmist talking to his own soul five times in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. What's our focus? The people were able to say, our eyes, O Lord, are upon you. Well, the last thing is this, and that is, please know, let's know that we will never, ever be alone. Verse 15, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God was saying, I'm going to be with you. I am going to help you. You're not alone in this situation. And I think we need to really imbibe, receive and apply that truth in our own lives, those of us who are followers of Jesus. And I also want to say that if that's not where you find yourself at the moment, I would like to invite you to make a choice today to become a follower of Jesus, to turn your eyes, if you will, towards him, and not just for help and rescue and health in this season. Although, of course, you and I, we can ask for that. I'm not looking here for a 999 call from our own hearts that just says, get us through this, God. 
No, rather, I'm inviting some of us perhaps to make a life choice to say, God, I don't want to do not only this season, but I don't want to do life on my own, in my own way. But I now want to make a choice to be, become a follower of Christ. And you might say, is that possible? Well, yes, absolutely it is. And you might be thinking, well, I'm just not good enough for all that Christian stuff. Please know that none of us are good enough, which is why Jesus came and he taught us the way to live. But then he went to the cross where mysteriously, in a way that we cannot begin to fully understand, he dealt with those sins, those failures in my life and in yours. But that was not the end of it because he rose again on the third day, beating the power of death. And then he ascended to heaven. You say, well, now what? What, what, what do I have to do about that? Well, at the end of this passage, uh, we read that the people, they put their eyes upon the Lord. And I want to invite you to turn to him by faith right now. You, you can't see him. He is currently invisible. But I'd like to invite you to make a decision and a choice right where you are, not to just get a little bit of religion at this time to help you out, but a life choice to say, I want to become a friend and a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, in a few moments, instructions will come up for you on the screen that will give you some further directions about what to do. But please understand this you are perhaps on the brink of making the most important decision of your entire life. If you choose to say, I want Christ in my life. Let me affirm this. It really is a decision. It is a choice that each one of us needs to make. So I'm going to pray a prayer now. I'm going to pray a prayer which you might like to repeat right where you are, wherever you're seated Wherever you're watching this from, I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray it after me. And then I'm going to pray about our fears. So here we go. Are you ready? Right where you're at, why not join me in this prayer? Whisper these words after me. Dear God, I come to you now. I recognize that I have need of you. I need you to rescue me not just from the current challenges, but from myself and from my sin. I make a choice now by faith to trust you, to place my life into your hands, under your care and your direction. Come into my life now. Cause me to know your love your forgiveness, your grace. I hand you the steering wheel of my life and I want to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you by faith. I thank you for hearing my prayer. Now again, if you've just prayed that prayer, first of all, I want to congratulate you because you have made that massive step towards God. It might be that you use that prayer because you are already a follower of Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've been a long, long way from God. And again, there is, uh, there is help available for you. 
Let me wrap all of this up with a final prayer for all of us during this season. Father, thank you because you know. You know us. Our eyes are upon you and your eye is upon us. There's much, Lord, that we don't know. May we be strengthened in our togetherness at this time, even virtual togetherness. May we know that even as fear or faith, that they are choices, that we can make those choices, but we really need you to help us, especially for those who are worried about finances and about their jobs and about the future at this time. We pray for faith and grace and strength. Finally, for our leaders, for those in the scientific community around the world, and for our world leaders, we pray, lead them in the wisdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, Kingsgate family, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.